Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 30-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, we look at the August 26, 2011 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey Small and Mid-Cap Edition. But before we get to that, a couple of critical caveats. First, the show is for entertainment purposes only, and that's not a guarantee, as I like to say. What's Sec not a guarantee? That it's entertaining? That it's entertaining, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just, yeah. Because it, it, uh, my wife says it rarely is, although it's informative. That's what we're shooting for. Yeah. Secondly, uh, this is after work. Uh, it's a hobby. And so we may not take the careful uh, view of everything that we do with our paying clients during the week. In fact, normally we're looking at, uh, you know, all the filings. We've had conversations with management. We have an opinion on the direction of the industry. We're doing none of that here on the show. Uh, third, I've been heavily drinking. I just want to convey that. So, you know, for what it's worth. And, Mo, I see you're not. So that's, that's good for the listener. And finally, uh, my lawyer says I need to tell you that uh, we may not have your best interests in mind. In fact, we may be recommending that you do the opposite of what's really good for you just to benefit ourselves. I don't which know why a, he would say a, that. Which is a good strategy. I don't know why he would say that. Because he's a lawyer. It's rude. I mean, we wouldn't really do that. But we have to warn people that we might. But a lawyer would think that. So uh, with those caveats in mind, uh, I guess we're. We're ready to go with the show. I love the, uh, I love the first one you picked out. Which one? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, as, as some listeners uh, may know, we used to do page numbers on the show. But then I got the computer version, and now, I've, as you see here, Mo, there's no page numbers. Right. So I'm just going to go alphabetical. And this week's issue had a lot of interesting stocks in the medical area. And so um, I think all the picks this week are, are coming out of the medical area. And uh, the first one is, uh, it could be controversial for some, but let's just, let's just forge ahead. It's been a volatile market. Uh, in fact, it's up today. We're doing the show a little late. It's Monday. The, I left my desk. The uh, Russell 2000 value is up 3.5% right now. So I hope you didn't sell on one of those down days last week. It's up a lot today. But here's a name that might take your mind away from the volatility of the market, a little something called Female Health Co., ticker FHCO. And uh, this is in the small and mid-cap edition of this week, or last week, I guess. Um, the first thing I'm attracted to here, quite honestly, is the word female. So I see that, and I'm like, huh, that's a funny word to have on a stock report. Keep going. Turns out this is a, a company that makes uh, uh, female um, condoms. Thank you, Mo. A female condom. Struggling for that word. Uh, I was going to say birth control or something like that. But condoms. Um, they're very small still. So the condoms? No, I think actually the condoms are very big compared to what we normally so what think. we normally think of. But no, the company. It's. Uh, it's about a hundred million market cap. The sales are roughly, uh, according to Value Line, in the 22 million range, and they've been sluggish there for the past three or four years. Um, 
the, the value line talks about them um, providing dual protection against unintended pregnancy and also sexually transmitted diseases. But in this case, the female gets to take that uh, into her own hands, her own hands, so to speak, if you will. Uh, they market directly in the United Kingdom, and then they have some business in uh, in some other countries, including the United States, Brazil, Canada, Mexico, Spain, France, Japan, and India. And then they own certain worldwide rights to the FC2, which is the uh, female condom second generation. Yep. So I don't, I'm not sure. Now, um, when I start to look at this, the thing that attracts me to it is that it's very small. And so I know there's a lot of females in the world. And so um, perhaps over time it could become larger as a result of getting more females as customers. True. The returns on capital are very high. So it's a new company, but um, clearly they don't need that much capital. They're earning 50% returns on capital the last couple of years, 40 last year, 40%. The operating margin started very small back when their sales were even smaller, and they've moved to 30% on a 20 million sales base. So, uh, and that's up from only 5% in uh, 2007, so it's yeah. been a nice ramp up. Yeah, so it strikes me that as they continue to grow, unless they need to do some advertising or something, the operating margin uh, can stay pretty healthy if it's already this level at such a small uh, base of the company. Uh, the valuation is not as great as I'd normally like. It's 18 times earnings, a little bit of a premium, 20% premium to the market. But what I am attracted to here is the dividend yield, 4.8%. Now, the dividend has just been declared, so and I haven't spoken to the company, so I don't know if it's a one-time thing. They're kind of feeling good about last year. They've paid it for uh, seven quarters now. It's 20 cents a quarter, and it looks like... Uh, their earnings per share are not, I'm sorry, it's 20 cents a year. I'm sorry, five, yeah, five cents a quarter. Right. And their earnings are just now coming into their, into a level that that looks like it could be sustained. Um, but it suggests management doesn't believe they need to use much cash to grow the business. Um, and so they're in a position to pay a high payout ratio. Maybe this is something they're going to do from now on. Well, let me ask you a question. I don't know. I, I was I was looking at a couple of the stocks you had picked out earlier today, and um, I was looking at the cash flow per share and the dividends per share. Do you look at that ratio to see if a dividend is sustainable, or do you sure. look at the earnings? Well, I mean, both. Cash flow is uh, probably a better measure of you know how management is thinking about the dividend. But on the other hand, institutional investors, if you see a dividend that's uh, consistently above earnings for a few years, you know, that just causes you to think there's going to be a dividend cut. Right. And so, uh, you know, this one, and I don't know at all, but it looks like it may be sustainable in part because it's clear they don't need capital to grow the business, and they've just instituted it. So why would you institute a dividend that you're going to undo, you're going to undo a year later? You know, people you're... don't like it. Well, I cheated a little bit. I, okay, uh, I, fair enough. I, I looked it up on the... Internet? Yep. Okay. Duke University just took a 5% stake, or just announced that they own a 5% stake in the company. So my question is, do you think that the, uh, do you think that the Duke stake is tied to the declaration of a dividend? Duke started to buy the stock. 
when a big institution starts buying the stock that's this small and the institution's as big and as prestigious as Duke, maybe there is a conversation between Duke management, which would sure love to have a bigger piece of your company, but it would be nice for us if you started paying a dividend. That's related. That would suggest that it is sustainable. You know, that's a very good point, Mo. I think that uh, you got to assume they've had that had a chat about what's their intention going forward. If you own 5% of the company, chances are you're at least talking with management. I wonder, too. I mean, it's not saying that here, but I wonder if Duke is involved at all from a, from a Research, science point. Research, yeah, of yeah, from them. Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, it's uh, the company is, uh, is based in Chicago, uh, so that's a, you know, a good central location for distribution. That's pretty good. They have a nice airport I visit often. Uh, and, you know, they're starting to ramp overseas and all that. I mean, I don't know much about it, but you've got a dividend. You've got a multiple that is higher than you'd like, but it probably in some way at a company this size is just reflecting the call option value of the company being larger. And you've got the, the demonstrable phenomenon that um, sex is not recession. You know, it is fairly recession-resistant. Yeah, some could say you have more sex in a recession. You know, I think that what we're going to have to do on that one, Mo, is uh, we're going to have to request some, uh, some research be done in that area. So, because uh, I can't say, I haven't lived all through all the recessions and all that, so um, maybe we'll do a little work on that. With the interns? Yeah. Uh, no, not with the interns. No, on our own. Oh, 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 yeah. No, you can't. You can't do stuff like that with interns. Uh, but I think just in the privacy of our own, uh, you know, our own homes and all that. Or listeners at home, if you have any insights into this, please send them in. I do think that um, you know, for a long time, female condoms were not as reliable, and so they were not adopted with the. And, and they're a little more difficult to work with. I. I believe. How do you know that? I've I've done some reading. I've done some. Uh, I some couldn't reading. figure out how they yeah. get them on. Yeah. No. I mean, this is an audio show. Otherwise, we you know we could have, suppose we could have a demonstration or whatever. But I'm sure a lot of listeners know that intuitively. Um, maybe not. But uh, I'm going to say this is a this is a half baked idea. It's none. Not a lot of work. But the returns, the margins, they're so high that this bears a little work. And it's, as Mo says, it's recession-resistant. There is, a, I think, an interest um, for a women to, you know, control their own health. And in part, that's really what this story's about. And you, sex sells. It does. I mean, it, it's part of why I even looked at this. Well, I, um, I think the very fact that Duke took a stake, the very fact that you've got a, a dividend that's just been declared, it looks like you've got... Uh, 26 cents or so in cash flow per share versus a 20 cent dividend. That looks like it's pretty sustainable. And uh, let's face it, in a market like this, 4.8% yield is at least going to support the stock. Even if they cut it in half, you're still doing better than you're doing at the bank. And that gives you time to wait for this thing to play out a little bit. Right. So female health, FHCO, don't have the page number. Um, Okay, back to our PG section of the show. Um, next up, wait a minute, i got to get these in alphabetical order. S comes T- before U. U. Yeah, thank you. So, um, Span America Medical, ticker S-P-A-N. Don't have the page number. Um, the first thing I'm attracted to on this one is just it's 10 times earnings, a 35% discount to the market multiple, and it's got a 3% 
dividend yield that, uh, you know, you got to check these value line dividend yields because I noticed that this, this is another company. They paid a special dividend I did, I last did, I year. Did. I checked the dividend. And if they keep paying that. No, they won't. It's that, a they won't right. But it's, it's uh, so they're, they're going off the quarterly dividend, exactly. not they, the trailer. I looked at that, too. It's based on a 43 cent assumed 43 cent dividend, which is now at a run rate of about 11 cents a quarter. Yeah, there was a okay. clearly a one-time dividend that was paid out last year, that buck 40. Okay, so at that dividend level, that's less than half their earnings, and that's a, a payout ratio that would, you know, likely be sustainable. The share count here is very stable over time. The sales are, you know, pretty flattish the last five years. Um, but they've maintained a very strong return on capital in the low 20s, no debt on this one, and a margin that's uh, in the mid-teens and looks like it's apt to move a little higher if they can get a little larger on the sales side. So I keep looking. What do these guys do? Well, they engage, according to Value Line, in the manufacture and distribution of therapeutic support services and related products utilizing polyurethane and other foam products for the medical, consumer, and industrial markets. Hmm. What do you think that is, Mo? Well, it's obviously pressure management products. Pressure management. But you you had some insights earlier. You think they're, they're, they make foam pillows. Pillows, That's right. what they make. Okay, you so know. it's a pillow. Pressure management. They seem to have a fear of writing pillow here in the description. But I guess in a hospital setting, these kinds of things prevent bed sores yep. and other kinds of things. So um, they're probably pretty expensive pillows. They're doing around $50 million in sales. The sales have gone a little bit down each year for the last few years. So uh, that doesn't get me overly excited. And they're, um, they look like they might reverse out of that this year, so maybe you'll have a, a, flat, a flattish top line. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that relates to the financial situation of hospitals in general. Um, that probably keep pushing on the pricing here of pillows because pillows maybe don't seem as proprietary as some other areas of the medical technology spectrum, if you will. Although, you know, having owned some of these in the past, uh, these kinds of pillows can be, have a lot of technology in, in them in terms of airflow and heat and things like that. Um, but these margins, again, 14%, 13%, they suggest that they're not that much more proprietary. Otherwise, you'd have the 30% margins we noticed on the last company. But at 14, they're probably uh, offering a price that, uh, you know, is hard for the company to find a better deal without a lot of switch-out costs and hassle. So but they probably don't get a lot of increases each year. And my guess is they've been getting some pressure on pricing. But the attraction here is you've got a consistent high return on capital, a margin that looks consistent in the mid-teens, and it's 10 times earnings. And uh, the thesis here is simply demographics are leading to increased use of health care, increased, you know, body in the bodies in the hospitals. And so as a result, you're going to need uh, more of these therapeutic support surfaces. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got uh, no debt. They've got about three bucks in share, uh, three bucks in cash per share. So, uh, or maybe two, I guess two and a half on a $13, $14 stock price. And, you know, that's about all I got here, Mo. They have a, have a you manufacturer have you and distribution, so they're, they're not going to be squeezed particularly more than they already are. And they've learned how to make good returns at that level, so I like that.
You've noticed that, that they have nine years. You know, if you, if you normalize that <clears throat> that uh, buck forty one time dividend payout, they have nine years of increasing their dividend every single year. I saw that. I like I like that a every lot. single year. The other thing that's interesting is if you look at the uh, the operating margins, something has changed in the business in the last four years. They've gone. They were at single digit mid-single-digit operating margins historically, and all of a sudden in the last three or four years, they've taken that up to the solid teens. Yeah. And they've been able to flow that down to the net profit margin. Yeah. So in the last three years, they've been able to pull that down from the operating margin side to the net profit side. So you've got a good profit trend. You have nine years of increasing dividend. It looks like that's sustainable. And again, in this kind of a market, um, anything that looks like it's got a sustainable dividend yield is probably worth taking a look at. Even though we want, you know, our biases toward growth, it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of support here. I completely agree with that, Mo. We don't know how long this is going to last, but we, in terms of the financial uh, conditions that are hindering, you know, general economic growth. But in this area, healthcare, demographics are at your back. Got a little bit of a yield, good company in terms of its uh, ability to generate profits, and it might just be, you know, one of those little safe harbors until someone rings the all clear, which we're not waiting yeah. for anytime soon. Right, exactly. So Span America Medical, um, again, don't have the page number. I'm always thinking I'm about to tell you what page number it's at, but I don't know. Okay. All right. One more this uh, this week. Also from the medical products section of this week's Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition, Utah Medical Products, ticker UTMD, Utah Medical. Medical. I'm following that one. Um, now, what am I attracted to on this one? Again, in a, in a sector that tends to have companies priced at a premium, this one is priced right at a market multiple, 15 times earnings. Um, they also have a nice dividend yield. So in these times, I have tended to be a little more attracted to yield, 3.7%. Um, and that's also based, just as we talked on the last one, Mo, they have a quarterly uh, dividend payout of 23 cents. So that 3.7% is calculated on the assumption that they're going to continue to pay you 23.5 cents per quarter. But last year, they paid out a buck twenty special dividend in the fourth quarter. So, again, who knows if they're going to do that again? But seeing a management that has the mindset that if they have too much capital to invest at a good return, they're going to pay it to you. Right. I like that a lot. Right. I like that a lot. So uh, they have put up uh, upper teens returns on capital. They have right now thirty-four um, percent debt to cap, but. It looks like the coverage, if I assume a million or so in interest expense, the coverage here is going to be, you know, eight or nine times. They've got a 38% operating margin, sales of $25 million, so that's about $10 million in EBITDA, well enough to pay their million dollars in interest expense, and, uh, and so I don't have any trouble with that. They're bringing down a 24% margin to the net profit line, and that's at a full tax rate of 34%, so that looks pretty impressive. And then finally, you know, their share count, when you get these little companies, some things 
I don't like to see our uh, continuous you know, raising in the share count as they continue to spill out shares uh, to pay people or whatever. It is continuously diluting you. Here they're not doing that. They have actually bought shares on a few occasions, and I like to see that. This management team, the special dividend, the share buybacks, it seems as if they really are good shepherds of our capital, and uh, I like that a lot. So Let me ask you a question. Here's what <clears throat> just hypothesized with me for a second. Look what happened to um, capital spending in 2010. Yeah, <clears throat> big jump there. Big jump. Mm -hmm. Interesting that you would both, at the same time you're paying out a big dividend to shareholders, have a big jump in capital spending. That's confidence. Yeah. You I wonder what they're doing with that. I don't know, but they, you usually don't see those two together. You're either saying, I don't really have the opportunity for reinvestment, so I'm going to pay it out to my shareholders. Or you say, I've got this great opportunity to reinvest, and so I'm not going to pay it out to shareholders. These guys did both. Yeah. That is impressive. I mean, you look at the cash balance. We've got a couple years of data here. So they were sitting with $19 million in cash in 2009. 18 million at the end of 2010, and I think, uh, you know, Mo, they just with cash returning one percent at the bank decided to pay it yeah, out. Pay it out to the shareholders who can do more with it, and maybe on the uh, investment side, they, you know, they uh, they bought a who knows what added to production capacity or what have you. They they've had a sluggish sales line, so the hair on this one is simply that for six years or so maybe actually longer, sales are just stuck at this $27 million level. And I'm going to guess that that's because they really haven't moved beyond their traditional marketing region, which is likely to be, you know, in, in, regional, I guess would be the right uh, point to make. I don't, I don't think they're national, although they certainly could be. And maybe what they're doing is simply starting to think about growing out into some adjacent territories. That's a pretty typical way for a distributor to grow. And that type of spending may indicate the confidence that comes with that sort of decision. Well, it's a pregnancy play, right? I mean, these yeah, guys are. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So maybe, maybe if uh, if we've got flat births, that's what's uh, what, what's causing well, the flat let's, sales. Well, let's say what they're doing here. I don't think I said that. This company is selling labor and delivery obstetrics products, including fetal monitoring. Uh, vacuum assisted delivery. Help me with that one wanna, just for a second. I don't want to. No. And, uh, and neonatal intensive care products. You mean they actually just pull it out with a you know, vacuum? I'm thinking that we've got two companies here at odds with each other. You've got the female condom company. I think you buy both of them. And yeah, you've got a hedged play in that yeah, case. Whether you're exactly. having kids or trying to avoid having kids, right. either way, yeah. you're benefiting. And both are, again, as we said, recession resistant. That is a diversified portfolio, Mo, I like right it. There. I like the idea. That's exciting. Were you thinking about no, I that? Wasn't. You picked... I wasn't at all, but you know, maybe Impressive. The, that was the just diversification. Sperm of the moment just comes sort of thinking uh -huh. right there. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, this looks like a pretty good one. And so there's something going on right now that we have to just admit we don't know. Right. They're spending extra money. They're having a sense of confidence. Um, and we don't know why. You know, there is a chairman here. His name is uh, Kevin Cornwell. And he's in Midvale, Utah. Uh, we could give him a call, but uh, I don't have, a, don't have a phone here right now. That's so, a long-distance call, That too. would be long-distance. I don't know if that's good with the shareholders' money. But Utah Medical, very stable in terms of not growing much. 
high margin, good return, paying a decent dividend, Utah Medical, ticker UTMD. Part of the hedged, hedged strategy. Hedged strategy. Now, you had one. Did you want to throw out another one? Well, or did you want to, do you want to knock off early tonight and head yeah, over to you know, Smith and um, I think, Mo, I, I do want to throw out another one because uh, some weeks it's hard to find three names that you like. But this week there was another one I was kind of thinking about, and we sort of went with this Utah. But I want to throw out one more quick one, and that is um, a company called, and it happens to still be alphabetical, Yeah, amazingly. Uh, it's called Young Innovations, ticker Y-D-N-T. And uh, what I like about this one, again, it starts with valuation. But as I read what they do, they supply... Um, equipment used by dentists, dental hygienists, dental assistants, and consumers. They, uh, they sell disposable, uh, a bunch of stuff, I don't know what it is, brushes, micro-applicators, moisture control products, infection control, I do get that one, dental hand pieces, etc. So the thing I'm attracted to in dental, and I've used to cover uh, this area many years ago, um, cover the industry. But the thing you get with dental is you get a very stable growth rate, in part because it's the growth rate of population. And then you have people living old longer. Um, and the trend that's happened in America the last 30 years is people want to keep their teeth longer. So, yeah, we're not getting cavities as much. So you don't have a cavity filling business here. But what you have is a... Uh, really a, uh, a cosmetic business where people want to keep their own teeth, they want to keep them clean, they want to keep them white, they want to keep them, you know, looking good. And as a result, the dental industry has been enjoying a pretty stable growth rate. It's an area that tends to not be as insurance-driven, and so you don't have, uh, you know, you do have some normal, you know, a little bit more normal ups and downs uh, with the, the economy. Um, you have been in a period here where, um, you know, discretionary procedures have, have been on hold a little bit in the industry generally. But um, when I look at their sales line, I'm not seeing that, Mo. I'm seeing a pretty consistent sales growth of a couple percent a year uh, with distributors that could be, uh, you know, growth in territory. It could be growth in new products on the truck what have you, but what I like is it's 14 times earnings. They're putting up uh, mid-20s operating margins very consistently, and that says proprietary. Something's proprietary that they're doing. They've got a full tax rate, so that's not it. And their returns on capital are, uh, you know, just right down around the 10%, 11% range, which is, you know, an area where they could improve. And so that gives me some hope that, you know, maybe their margins could get even a little better as they either improve their... Uh, distribution facilities, maybe they need more turnover in those facilities, maybe they can get a little more pricing. I don't know, but returns should be a little higher, and I'm going to guess that they'll get to that over time. 14 times earnings, you don't get a dividend here, but you do get some stable growth at a company that tends to sell right around here, that is a slight market discount, to a premium. So if we get a little bit of earnings growth, the stock could move to a premium multiple, and I think you'd have a you know, pretty decent stable return over the next few years with this one. Young Innovations, ticker YDNT. No cash. 
no but debt. also no debt. No, yeah. no story, no momentum. No. Nah. It's been kind of a – I looked at this, too, and I thought, what's, what's changed? I mean, I don't mind buying a stock that's a cash cow that I figure is going to have stable growth, flat kind of uh, – flat stock price performance, as long as I'm going to get that dividend yield. But I, I, this one kind of left me a little lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah, well – Instead of paying a dividend, if you look here, their share count has trickled down. That's true. Over the past few years, they don't. Um, I'm looking at their equity line here, and it it is growing. And so, uh, at some point, if they wanted to, and who knows, you know, their debt's been coming down. So it was 36, 30, 15, 6. They're probably paying that off. And my suspicion is, is that. Um, you know, they'll make some type of acquisition once the debt's paid off, or, you know, perhaps that they, you know, they will buy a big slug of stock, kind of get the religion of uh, paying back the shareholders, because they have shown a tendency to buying little bits each year. Maybe once the balance sheet's cleaned up, they'll take more debt on to buy stock. That's what I'm going to hope. That's what we're going to say to them. Mr. Uh, Alfred, Alfred Brennan. And if you're listening, Alfred, give us a call, see if you can convince us, because yeah. for right now... I'm, I'm kind of going to give this a yawn. Yeah, well, okay. I'm going to give it a, a little more than a yawn, um, but certainly it's it's kind of a dull tool, but it could help you diversify risk and at least have something in your portfolio that you know is growing because sales are growing every year. That's adding value to you as their margins stay stable, and they're also buying stock back, so you get a little double whammy of value growth per share. The thing you're not getting right now is um, you're not getting any dividend, you're not getting any cash payback, but the company looks like it's growing in value on a per-share basis, and that's what I'm drawn to, Mo. Fair enough, fair so, enough. Uh, do we have anything else for the people this week? I don't know. It's been a program pregnant with thought. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, I think, a lot of moral issues in this week's show. Yeah, People can think about that all week. And I, think we should, I think they should think about the dividend. When you can get a 4.8% yield on female health, that is definitely worth getting online, doing a little research. That's what I'm doing after the show. So should we pick favorites, Mo? Yeah. Is, yep. is that your favorite? I think that's uh, that would be one of my favorites. I'd either. I don't know. I don't know if you can have two favorites. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to choose as my favorite. Uh, I don't know, Mo. Pretty tough. I think I'm going to take this Utah Medical just because I think you might take female health, and I like the stability of dental. Well, I'm going to go with the uh, female health. I and I, uh, well, we'll we'll revisit this in we'll a revisit. few weeks and see how we're see how we're doing. All right. Well, thanks for listening, in, everybody. You've again, uh, you know, wasted 30 minutes with the value guys. Check out all our caveats, our bios, pictures, a little history of our. Uh, education and achievements at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody.